Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, so, so it's, that guy was good. He pulled it off every week without a hitch. I don't know how he did that, but uh, uh, and and I can't. So colorful sweaters. They were hand knit by his mom for a totally colorblind son. He never even knew what color sweater he was wearing. So I mean, it, it was crazy. Uh, and and the little shoe toss thing. Did you guys know that? That he didn't do that because it was cute. It was too hot. Too hot. I can't do that. Y'all know I can't do that. I'll, I'll be sweating up a storm. Did y'all know that he he uh, changed shoes because the dress shoes made too much noise on the set. So we just thought it was this cute little thing he did. I know I'm running all the nostalgia for you. We thought it was this cute thing he did, but it was it was simply because it was too loud. Well, he, uh, as most of you know by now, Mr. Rogers was an ordained minister, and all he had really done was move his pulpit onto TV and turn his congregation into children all over the world. And I'm listening to this guy, and he's talking about this uh, new principle he's trying to teach. He calls it the law of implementation. He says that you have to continue to repeat things until things are repeatedly done. That's all Mr. Rogers did was week after week, he would repeat the same lessons over and over again. The main lesson he taught the entire time that he was on TV was this. We ought to treat our neighbors right. Right? That's why he sung, won't you be my neighbor. So he began to preach that week after week. He said stuff like this. This is just Mr. Rogers preaching. He said, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing that when we look for what's best in a person we ha- that we happen to be with at that moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. He's preaching. Where did he learn all these lessons about being good neighbors? He learned it from the original Mr. Rogers, Jesus. I don't know if, if Jesus' mother hand-knit his tunics. I, I, I don't know if he changed his sandals and threw them over his head before he started teaching all of his lessons. But Jesus consistently taught on how to be a good neighbor. I want you to see one of his most powerful um, uh, lessons that he taught us. I want you to join me in John chapter 4. Because in John chapter 4, there's an account that most of us have heard numerous times. I've actually used it here many times uh, to, to teach out of. But this is a little bit different this morning. Uh, it, it is a familiar passage of Scripture. But listen to what it says. In John chapter 4, uh, Jesus has this encounter. And out of it, he teaches a powerful lesson. This is what happens. It says, it's beginning in verse 3. We're going to read through verse 10. Then we're going to read verse 25 and 26. simply says this. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. And a woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. And Jesus said, would you give me 
a drink of water. His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days would not be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the, knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. Then they continue their conversation, and at the end of the conversation, uh, they, they have this little exchange, and, and in verse uh, 25, this is what, how it ends. It says, the woman said, I do, I do not know about that. She's talking about all the stuff they've talked about. She said, I do not know about that, but I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. I mentioned it last week. Uh, there's this uh, kind of precarious relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. They were neighbor haters on both sides. They didn't have anything to do with each other. They despised one another. They avoided each other. Uh, and But but I've noticed some things about Jesus. Jesus uh, in his earthly ministry, tended to uh, go against social norms. Have you ever, have you realized that as you read the Gospels, you recognize that Jesus really didn't obey the rules very well. Jesus was, he was kind of, he was a rule breaker. And so Jesus had this, this tendency to do what was not normal. And so he goes where he wasn't supposed to go and he talks to who he was not supposed to talk to. He, he winds up in this unexpected place and this woman comes out. Now, uh, I think it's interesting that Scripture says that she came out around noon. Because uh, y'all do know that it's hot in the desert at noon, all right? Uh, like, if you're going to come get water for the day, you don't come at noon, you come in the morning. So many scholars uh, and Bible uh, scholars believe that this was an indication of what kind of woman this was. Because you know the rest of the story, at least most of you do. After some exchange, Jesus reveals that she's had five husbands and she's living with the man that she calls her husband now. And it, it kind of, if you read between the lines, what you begin to, to realize is that maybe this woman was not only an outcast to the Jews, but she was also an outcast to her own people because the other women in the village probably shunned her. And so Jesus arrives and, and, and begins to talk to her. I, I saw this on Facebook. I don't normally preach from Facebook, but this one was pretty good. I, I noticed this one yesterday. It says, Jesus spent life engaging people. He spent his entire life engaging people that we spend our whole life trying to avoid. That's powerful. And so Jesus goes out of his way and he begins to talk to this woman. And there's this exchange. And after this long trip, the Bible says it was a long trip and he was worn out. I, I kind of find some comfort in that too, that even Jesus gets tired. Uh, he got tired in this situation. It says he's worn out from his long trip. He sits down. He needs a drink of water. And he turns to this woman who shows up. Uh, coincidentally, yeah, right, at the same time, and he asks her for a drink. It's their exchange I want us to focus on this morning because I want you to notice some things. The, the first thing that I want you to notice is that uh, when, when, this, when, this, uh, when, when this interaction takes place, Jesus simply asks for a drink, and the woman instantly places a label on Jesus. Notice that instantly. She, she takes this label and she brings up the fact that, hey, you're a Jew. You're not supposed to be talking to me. And I'm not supposed to be talking to you. And she places this label, this, 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 this bias, this prejudgment, this prejudice against Jesus that, 
literally had been passed down from generation to generation. She simply takes that label and slaps it on Jesus, this, this label of division and this label uh, of, of, uh, of conflict. She, she, this disdain, she slaps it on Jesus. And all Jesus did was ask for a drink of water. I want you to think about this. Help me think about this a minute. I want you to think about that, that Jesus had, uh, and this woman had never uh, had an exchange before. I, I can't find anywhere in Scripture that this woman and, and Jesus had had an encounter prior to this. There's no history. There, there, there's no exchange. Jesus has never been mean to her. Jesus never, has never spoken crossways to her. Jesus has never, uh, had, has never uh, been cruel to her. He's never called her a name. He's never sneered at her. He's never mistreated her. It's the first exchange. Jesus says, I need water. And instantly, she slaps this label on him from one generation to another, a label has been handed down, and the label says this. We are supposed to avoid one another. Out of this, I just want to simply tell you this lesson. Labels linger. Labels linger. They, they, they stick around for a long time. I don't, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever uh, gone somewhere and they put the, the name tag on you uh, to, to, to tell so that everybody knows who you are? And then you go home, and in your, in your busyness, you forget to take it off? And you throw it in the washer, and you wash it, and then you dry it, and then you take it out, and you go, oh, no. And you pull the label off, and there's all this sticky, gooky residue that stays behind after the, just me? I'm the only one that's so forgetful, I forget to take, okay. Can I tell you that it, what, what is taking place with that label and all that gookiness and that stickiness and that residue is, a, is in reality what happens with labels, the residue of labels hangs around. They're passed down. The, 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 this label, the, the residue of the labels that we apply to one another may often be forgotten, but something will happen, an, ex, an, an exchange, an interaction. Uh, something will take place. We'll bump in. Something happens in life, and all of a sudden, labels that we even forgot about suddenly resurfaces. Uh, one of my earliest um, recollection, I was trying to think back uh, the first time I saw this happen, uh, how label, labels linger. Um, and, and, I, and I was taken back to when I was about 13 years old. And I was growing up in West Oklahoma, and we had this gathering each summer. We called it camp meeting, just a series of services. And my dad happened to be in charge of those services. And he brought in a guy from North Carolina uh, that some of you met not too long ago. His name was Cliff Buckram. Uh, Cliff Buckram at the time was a prince of preachers. He, he was dynamic. He was incredibly powerful. Dr. Buckram was an African-American gentleman that lived in North Carolina and was pastoring a church. And my dad brought him to West Oklahoma to preach this series of services. Uh, the only issue was is that there had never been an African-American preacher invited to preach these series of services ever. So I'm walking across the campgrounds, and Brother Buckram is walking towards me. And out of, out of my uh, the, the side... Of the peripheral vision, I see a little kid much younger than me, probably six or seven years old, run up to Brother Buckram and stand there. And, and Brother Buckram stops because the kid's just kind of staring at him. And he, he's looking at him and looking at him and looking at him. And finally, the little kid goes, hey, Blackie, and turns and runs off. And I realized in that moment, 
that labels linger. And if they don't surface in us, they often surface in our children. So, so his parents didn't run up and say that to him, but he did. Because the labels had lingered in their home, apparently, and it had been passed down. And that is exactly what's taking place in this account. Labels have lingered so long that when a man shows up at a well, needing desperately needing a drink, before he can ever say anything else, there's no meaningful exchange at all other than, I need a drink. All of a sudden, the label, the label slapped on him, and the woman says, you can't talk to me because you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Labels linger, and I wonder how long some of us have allowed labels to linger in our life and we placed a label on somebody a long time ago or somebody placed a label on us a long time ago and the residue is still there and we think we've forgotten about it. We don't think we act like that anymore. We don't even think we think like that anymore. But all of a sudden out of nowhere, it'll surface because labels linger. The second thing I noticed about this uh, account is this, is that that uh, this, this, this label that this lady places on Jesus was intended to distance her from Jesus. She was literally trying to distance herself from Jesus. And she, the, the, the issue is that she failed to realize that not only do labels linger, but this, she failed to realize that labels limit. Because she, if she had recognized who Jesus was, it would have been a different story. In fact, I, I want to say to you this, this morning, uh, Jesus' response exposes this because her label has placed a limit on him. And he says this to her. I read it to you. If you knew, if you knew, lady, if you knew the generosity of God and who you were talking to, but she didn't know. And so this label is placed on him and it limits his ability to bless her. Stay with me this morning. Because if you wouldn't limit me because I'm white, and if you wouldn't limit me because I'm black, and if you wouldn't limit me because I'm brown, and if you wouldn't limit me because I'm short, and if you wouldn't limit me because I'm tall, and if you wouldn't limit me because I'm handsome, or if you wouldn't limit me because I'm not, And if you wouldn't limit me because you think I'm arrogant, or you wouldn't limit me because you think I'm lazy, or you wouldn't place a label on me, it would allow me to be in a position to bless you. But but because you have labeled me, it limits my ability to impact your life. See, we, we, We limit our ability to receive a gift from people if we label them. Okay, I'll say it like this then, because some of you looked at me like you don't believe me. Let me say it like this. How you perceive dictates how you are able to receive. So if we have limited, if we have labeled somebody, then in that moment when we label them, it impacts our ability to receive anything from them because our perception has placed a lid on their ability to reach out and impact our lives. So you, it works this way too. You can't label people because if you, if you label people, you are literally saying, I don't value you. 
And if I don't value you, it is my value of you that is the door by which I go through to access the gift that is in you. So if I label you and say you're dumb, if I label you and say you're, you're, you're not worthy, if I label you and say you're not my class, if I label you and say you're not my, my gender, if I label you and say you're not my race, then all of a sudden I have placed a limit on your ability to bless and my ability to bless you. Labels limit. This woman almost missed the greatest gift she was ever going to encounter in her entire life simply because she limited Jesus by how she labeled him. I wonder how many of us miss gifts from one another. I wonder how many of us miss an opportunity to be blessed by each other. I wonder how many of us in, our, in the workplace miss an opportunity to bless somebody simply because we've labeled them or we've allowed them to label us and it becomes a barrier by which we can no longer access the gifts to one another. I want to challenge you this morning. Quit labeling the people around you. Quit limiting them by placing a label over them and saying they're no better than this. They're nothing other than this. They're always going to be this. And then all of a sudden you shut the ability down which is the next lesson that I need to tell you. It's the one I want you to catch this morning. And that is this, is that labels can be refused and they can be removed. Jesus refused to let this woman label him. In fact, if you read the, the account closely, he literally pushes past her label to bless her. He, he in fact, he, he, he is so determined to bless her that he throws off every label she tries to throw on him over and over again. These, these are your beliefs. These, these are the walls you've built up to keep me out of your life, but I'm going to throw them off. I'm going to throw them off. He refuses every label. He removes every label. In fact, I want to say it like this. Jesus was colorblind, but he wasn't kingdom blind. It didn't matter to him that she was a different race. It doesn't, doesn't matter to him that she's a different gender. It doesn't matter to him that she lives in the long, wrong neighborhood. He is so determined to reach her that he refuses to allow those labels to be placed on him. And he refused to place labels on her. Because he could have said, uh -huh. yeah, why are you here at noon, lady? Why, why, where are all the other ladies? They don't like you, do you? Because they know you're kind of flirty. He refused. He would not place labels. He, he would not accept labels that would limit him. The woman ha, would have never been birthed into the kingdom. And, but instead, Jesus said, uh, he, after he brushes aside all these labels, he says, I am he. I, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been waiting on. He pushes past. See, uh, there's a lesson that we need to learn today. And that lesson is this, is that everywhere we go, everywhere we go, People are going to, and we are going to be tempted to label people instantly. And we are either going to have someone put, putting a label on us, or we're going to be putting a label on them. But we cannot spend our time labeling one another. I want to say this to you this morning. Uh, we've got to quit fighting for our own culture and start fighting for kingdom culture. Some of y'all are all wrapped up in white power and black power and brown power and male power and female power and, and Republican power and Democratic power. Come on, y'all. We are called to war for kingdom culture, not our culture. We are called to reclaim kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's, that's the task at hand. And the only way that takes place is when we refuse to label and we refuse to be labeled. By the way, um, I just want to say this, and I, I hope you catch this this morning. Uh, Jesus refused to allow himself to be labeled. Catch it, catch it, catch it. Because he knew who he was. Every time the lady tried to label him, he, he, he came back to this point. I am the Messiah. I'm him. Jesus understood who he was. He was confident in who he was. Can I help you this morning? The reason that some of you continue to allow people to label you is because you don't know who you are. If you recognized who you were, if you knew who you are in Christ, then you would never allow anybody to label you anything other than who Jesus says you are. You have got to come to grips with your identity in Christ because if you don't, then people will have the ability and they will take the opportunity to label you and try to tell you who you are. But you need to continue to face those labels and say, I'm sorry, but I can't allow you to label me that way. I can't allow, and not only that, I won't label you anyway because I recognize who I am in Christ. Galatians teaches this, uh, the, the writer in chapter 3. Verse 26 and 28, a couple different uh, versions. He says this, he says, For now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by him. We are no longer Jews or Greeks or slaves or free men or even merely men or women, but we are all the same. We are Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. No label. In, in another version, in Christ's family, there can be no uh, division into Jews and non-Jews, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are in Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises. He's saying to us, quit labeling each other. Quit allowing people to label you and put you into a segment. Labels only stick if you don't know who you are. We only, check this out, we only label people when we don't know who they are. Then we start, if we don't, if we don't have some understanding of who they are, don't we suddenly begin to grab labels and stick it on them? Because we're we're uncomfortable what we don't with what we don't understand, and if I don't know you and I am not willing to value you as a child of the King, then what I will do is I will put a label on you instantly. We got to know who we are, and also we must know who those around us. Are. I just wanted to challenge you this morning to tell you that we've got to come to this place. If we're not going to be neighbor haters, then we got to lay our labels down. We cannot continue to participate in all the division and all the name calling and all the labeling that is a prevalent part of our society right now and think we're okay because we've labeled ourselves as Christians. 
I'm, I'm challenging you this week to go through an entire week and don't label anybody. I don't know them, so I've got to put some kind of... Un- no, just, just accept it at face value, and then you can make determinations. But until you really have an interaction with them and get to know them, don't label them. Quit labeling. Quit allowing people label you. I want to tell you this morning that some of you have been walking through life with labels for a long time. And you have lived up to that label. You've allowed a mom, a dad, a teacher, a co-worker, a coach, a spouse, a friend, someone in your life to place a label on you. And that label has limited you for too long. And I'm just saying to you, maybe you're the one that's the victim of being labeled. And I'm saying to you this morning, rip the label off. Once and for all. Label on your chair. You found a label this morning. I want you to get that. I want you to get a pen. A label and a pen. A label and a pen. Make sure you have them. Give you a second. Everybody got a label? Some of you already got them on. Overachiever. See, I just labeled her. She's an overachiever. She already stuck the label on. All right? Got it? All right, this is what I want you to do. We're going to do two things. We're going to do th- one thing where you're seated, then we're going to come together and do this together. All right? First thing I want you to do is I want you to try to take that label and give it to your neighbor. And neighbor, I want you to refuse it. Don't be mean. Just don't take it. Come on. Offer it to them. I- I'm offering to label you right now. I'm going to label you right now. That, symbolically, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to label you. Want my label? Okay, good. I thought you were going to flunk for just a second, but you did good. You passed. Right? All right, so what we're saying is this. We're not going to allow anybody to label us, all right? I want you to stand with me. Keep your pen. Keep your pen. I want you to step out from where you are. Everybody, I want everybody to come as close as you can. I know it gets kind of crowded down here, but we're going to do this together because I think this is going to be important for us. I need a pen. I got a marker. I'm an overachiever. Yes. Kind of do that when you get up here. I know it gets crowded. I'm sorry. So the key. The key for us is if I'm going to refuse your label, then I have to know who I am. Because labels stick if we don't know who we are. Haven't you noticed that as you were like, uh, go to class when you're like six years old and, and the teacher looks at you and goes, well, you're kind of dumb. Then haven't you met kids that have been told that when they were young and that the rest of their life you're influenced by that? Or maybe, maybe it happened like this for you. You'll never amount to anything. You're just like your dad. You'll never amount to anything. If you had known who you were. So my question to you this morning is, do you know who you are? Jesus says, I know. Listen, lady, don't label me. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Have you even taken any time to go into Scripture to find out who Jesus says you are? Because he says, you're the head, not the tail. 
says you're more than an overcomer. He says you're an heir. He says you're a son. He says you're a daughter. He said that you're highly faithful. You got to know who you are. So this is what I want you to do. I'm going to pray over you, and then I want you to take your pen. And I want you to write three words on this label. I want you to start like this. I want you to, the first two words I'm going to give you, then you're on your own. Right? You're going to start by writing this. I am. So, let's do that together. Everybody write, I am. All right? This is a test. We're going to do it. All right? You got it? I am. All right? So everything under it's blank, right? Okay, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to ask the Lord in this moment to help you come to an understanding of how to fill in that blank. I didn't say I was going to ask, ask him to help you come to an understanding of who your dad said you were, who your mom said you were, who your spouse said you are. I want you to know who he says you are. I, I, I've been praying all week that there would be this would be a revelation moment for you. That like the lights would go on for the first time for some of you ever. You would suddenly come, I really am who he says. So let's pray. Father, the moment that we have together right now, we come to an understanding that many of us in this room have allowed people, society, maybe even loved ones, maybe enemies, we've allowed them to label us, and those labels have lingered, and they've had limited us, and we have operated under the confines of that label in our life. Some of the labels that we've had placed on us are painful. They hurt. In fact, we're ashamed of them, and we don't even let anybody know about them, but in the back of our mind, that label has produced residue. And over and over and over again, it comes back up in my life that this is all I can be. This is who I am. Because of it, I can't be a good neighbor. But Father, this morning, what I'm asking you to do is to turn the lights on and that we would come to grips with who we are so that the only label that we would accept, the only label that we would wear, the only label that we would allow to stay in our life is a revelation of who we are in you. And so right now, God, I pray that in the depths of each individual person's spirit standing here this morning, one word would flash like on a big screen, a revelation of who we are. I pray that it would be so precise. It wouldn't be just some generic concept. It would be so precise that it would empower us to refuse any other label and it would empower us to refuse to label anybody else because we recognize that you labeled us with so many great things that you want to give the other people around us the same grace benefited 
pray that you would accomplish this. In Jesus' name, amen. This is what I want you to do in the privacy right here, just, just you and God. I want you to ask the Lord, what are you saying about me? Who am I? I am in right what he says about you. Not what he's saying about your name. What is he saying about you? Once you've got it, just hold it right out here in front of you. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. This is what Jesus is saying about me right here. This is what he said about me. This is who I am. Come on, write it down there. So why it's kind of boastful. That's a label. Don't put that one on there. This is who he says I am. This is who he says I am. All right, I want you to take the label. Ooh, this is going to mess with some of you bad because you're so shy. But we will label you something else if we don't know who you are. Y'all didn't catch that. We will label you something else if we don't know who you are. How are we supposed to know who you are if you don't know who you are? See how this works? So here we go. Stick it on there. Proud, loud and proud. This is who Jesus says I am. Some of you got 19 words on your chest. What's the word? He knows, he knows you too well. All right. So this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. All right, I want everybody to start looking for the one that says, I am rich. Or, or maybe maybe the, I am single. That was the other one that somebody wrote down, and so we're going to, no, I'm playing. But this is how, this is how we're going to end before Pastor Andrew comes in and, and, and gives us instructions about what we do at the end of this service. I, I just want you to take a moment because some of you have known each other a long time. Some of you are just meeting one another. But even though you've only known each other a short amount of time or even though you've known somebody for a long period of time, you have had no concept of how they see themselves before the Father. I want you to go look. Guys, look at gu- guys. Girls, look at girls, okay? We're going to do this holy. All right. Uh, uh, I want you to go look and see how they've labeled. No, that's the wrong. How God has labeled them so that now you won't put labels on them that will limit them, but you will operate with them according to how they've labeled through the voice of God. Would you do that? Would you just take a few minutes? Because some of this is going to be eye-opening for some of you. Come on, go go look at labels right now. This is how I see myself labeled by God. This is who I am in Christ right here. Ah, uh, true. true. This is who I see that I am. This is my label.
with the Father right now that you're not going to let anybody else put any other kind of label on you all week long. When they try, you're going to refuse it. All right, let's pray. Father, we, we accept the label that you placed on us. Who you say we are, we are. So we refuse to allow any other label to be applied to us in the name of Jesus. I pray that we would fight through every other label so that we could bless people this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.